Good to have you here, three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. A lot to get to on this Friday. Of course, as we head into a big college football weekend, we'll have our picks coming up uh, heading into the weekend. They're sure to be wrong. Uh, we'll get to that coming up final hour. A lot of football to talk. Dave Holcomb, southernpigskin.com, will join us. Pitt beats North Carolina in overtime uh, last night. You've got NC State and Wake this weekend. Some big games there in the ACC. We'll also chat with Michael Turner, former Pro Bowl Falcons running back. We'll look at the Falcons' run game, or lack thereof, uh, as it may be with this Atlanta Falcons team with uh, Michael Turner. And also 320, Jake Roos of On3.com covers the Georgia Bulldogs. will join us, and we'll look at Georgia and Tennessee coming up this weekend. Tennessee apparently breaking out black uniforms with orange letters uh, and, and numbers this weekend. Is it the second time they've done it? We'll get to that coming up in just a little bit as well. But, guys, it is Georgia and Tennessee coming up this weekend. And, again, I think uh, a lot of the storylines are, can Tennessee do it? Is Tennessee the team that uh, gives Georgia problems and this and that? I I think the bottom line is, on some level, people are trying to create hype over another game that Georgia's favored by three touchdowns. Probably, but I do think there are at least some, you know, possible situations where – Tennessee can put Georgia in a position where the Bulldogs haven't been in, and that's in a close game late going all the way back to week one. You know, the the only close game Georgia's been in was, you know, that that week one game against Clemson. And I think on the road, obviously, Neyland, you're going to have, what, about 107,000 people. Uh, Offensively, you present a different challenge than just about everybody else on, on, on Georgia's schedule. I think if Hendon Hooker can get in a rhythm early, maybe there's a chance it's a little closer than people think, but it, it would take a lot. I mean, Ben, I think to sum it up, it would take Georgia playing an average to below average game and Tennessee playing an elite game. It's not outside the realm of possibility, but Tennessee's offense is going to have to do something early to get some momentum against this group. I know it's so much talk about this uh, this Tennessee offense. What about that Tennessee defense? I mean, Georgia's offense ain't the best, but they're good enough to go out there and put up points. So what happens when you look it up and it's 14-0, 17-0, something in the second quarter for that Georgia offense, B.J.? But, yes, I mean, Tennessee are breaking out the black unis. If you can see them on the screen, they are nice. Even black makes yeah. everything look good when it comes to when it come to uniforms, even that uh, Sherbert orange. Outside of the unis, I like, I, listen, I like the white helmet with the black unis and the white gloves. But outside of looking good on the field, Kevin, it's going to be a beat down, I believe. Because don't we do this every week with Georgia? Intriguing, intriguing, intriguing. Until it's not. Jordan Davis is still Jordan Davis. I mean, you know, uh, Dean and, you know, Nola Smith and those guys. So, yes, um, if Henry Hooker can get it going, that's cool. You can, they're going to they're gonna give you some yards maybe in between the 20s. But what about when you got to get in the end zone? That, that has been what nobody – has been able to solve for the Georgia defense. So we'll see, BJ, but, you know, we'll see how long people be actually watching. Well, I, we'll, we'll see. And as I said yesterday, at the end of the day, Tennessee's defense is atrocious. I mean, it, it is. I mean, Georgia's going to be able to score. And, and I've said this from the beginning. How many points does Georgia need to score before Tennessee just simply won't be able to score that many on Georgia's defense? I mean, that's the, that's the name of the game each and every week that Georgia plays. I mean, Georgia's offense is good. Actually, I think statistically a little better than Tennessee, but – I mean, if Tennessee scores 17, how many is that defense going to give up? They gave up 42 to Kentucky last week. I think the lowest amount they've given up in SEC play is 20 to South Carolina, who's not going to be confused with any kind of modern scoreboard-busting offense. They gave up 20. So, what's Georgia going to score this weekend? 35? 42? 
Do I think Tennessee can score that many? No, I don't. I, I, th- I think even if they play well, they're not going to score that many on, on Georgia's defense uh, this weekend. BJ has come up with a little head-to-head challenge. Sure to make Christian go batty, but it's Georgia versus Tennessee. We're going to pick one or the other in a number of different categories. So, BJ starts it off. Better mascot, Ugga, or Smokey? Both are great. <laughs> but, but Both are great. Both are great. Listen, Smokey, I mean, one of my favorites out there, but going against Ugga, you can't go against Ugga. Ugga, probably the most recognizable, famous, you know, mascot. I think he's been on the cover of Sports Illustrated. So, listen, I love Smokey. All due respect to Smokey, but you got to go Ugga. Right, Ben? Ugga? Yeah, uh, Prestige, it's Ugga. I mean, I don't know. Ugga might be the most famous mascot in sports when you think about how, you know, I mean, he's the only dog that's, well, he is a dog. He does have four legs, and he's supposed to sleep outside, but he, but that doesn't happen. He has, he only, he's only allowed to walk, what, I, I think maybe like 20 yards. And I will give this to Ugga. Look, uh, Ugga, Ugga so many years ago against Bevo kind of showed a little athleticism like, hey, this big old jack getting longhorn is getting close. But yes, it's it's Ugga BJ. I never ever like to give Ugga any credit, but hey man, he Ugga is the man, man. He and he has years and years and years of prestige and pampering to prove it. Yeah, I, I think as a mascot, just on the surface, it's Ugga. Which dog would I rather own? It's it's Smokey. I I know. I'm just saying. <laughs> Bulldogs. They're no. both awesome. They're both awesome. <laughs> what kind of answer is that? All right. They may be, but the, I just, the wrinkles, the fat, the, the pushed-in face, I'm just not a fan. I said that. Bulldogs and pugs, not no, I'm not a fan. Uh, better black uniforms, Georgia or Tennessee? Man, I know you like the Tennessee. Look, I think it's Georgia. The black silver looks, looks, looks really good. Now, I don't know if you want to break out the alternate uniforms for a game like this. I know you're trying to get all the momentum. I think Tennessee does look pretty good. They were up on the screen a minute ago. But the black uniforms, I think Georgia looks better. Georgia, Georgia do look good, BJ, but listen, it's hard to make that Sherbert orange look good, right? But it's how they did it. That all black with the Sherbert, white hair. I mean, hey, look, Georgia, 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 you're going to see it more, but I will say this. Um, when, uh, when, when Tennessee, might want to take a picture. Come on, Tennessee get the brakes beat off them. You will not see them black uniforms for a long time. Well, this is the second time, time they've worn them this year. But, but yeah, but yeah, uh, but them Tennessee, them Tennessee are black units is nice. I refuse to answer this question on principle alone because neither one of these teams should ever wear black uniforms ever. Just saying. They don't look uh, they're like. What? They, you don't think Georgia's black uniforms look amazing? No. Throw them in the trash. They I, look th- good. They look good. Throw, throw Tennessee's in the trash. Neither one of those teams should ever wear black uniforms ever. It just doesn't look like them. So I, I refuse to answer the question on which looks better. They both should never be worn ever again. More identifiable logo brand, the Georgia G or the Tennessee T. I think it might be the Tennessee T because when you think about the G, you think about Green Bay Packers, you think about Grambling, you think about a number of different programs. I think with I think with with Tennessee, you know, that's boom. You see the T, that's what it is. I, I understand Christian's putting images up. I get it. I, I, I appreciate it. But do most people, I don't know this, around the country, if you just put the G up, do they and I understand the colors or whatever, but do you think Green Bay Packers or do you think Georgia. So because of that, I will go with Tennessee. They're different. Like if you actually look at the the dimensions to them, the logos are different. I mean, and so now I'm, we've I'm, come down to <laughs> pixel size. Okay. Yeah, the dimensions no, it, it, are different. I mean, the G, the G is the G is smooth, but it is a T. I mean, the thing about it is, is that 
That that sherbet tea, when you see it, you just oh, that's Tennessee. And the thing about Georgia is, depending on where you are in in the country, if you just put up that G, if you're in the middle of the country, they're gonna say, oh, that's Green Bay. If you if you if you closer to Texas, they're gonna say, oh man, that's Grambling. And if you're in the southeast, they go, oh, that's Georgia. So the fact that other other logos look like yours, I would say it's got to be that Tennessee tea. Well, I I, I think Tennessee's. Uh, if you look at it, uh, theirs is a JPEG. And uh, Georgia's is getting pixel size. Can you tell me what a JPEG is? Can you tell me what a JPEG is? It is a type of picture file. No, no. Can you tell me what a JPEG <laughs> is? Can you tell me the difference between a PNG and a JPEG? Uh, there is a, I think a PNG file has uh, more uh, pixels to it. It is a more well-defined photo, if I'm not mistaken. Not even close. Okay, that's fine. I don't care. I'm just making fun of you saying it's different. Okay. I mean, I guess... A little bit. You're supposed to hit me with a Hank in, Hill. In so Do much, I look like I know what a JPEG yeah, is? Yeah, exactly. In so much that, you know, Ice Ice Baby and Under Pressure have two different hooks to them, right? I mean, that's... Uh, they do. They do, barely. It, it, only the discerning ear even knows it. All right, moving along. To where, where are we even at here in this? All right, better fight song. The Glory Glory song or Rocky Top? The Glory Glory song. Well, you said Glory Glory, but... <laughs> Rocky Top. I mean, I got to go with Rocky Top. It's recognizable. It's right. It's it's, it's Rocky Top. Yeah, your Rocky Top is annoying, but it is a better song. I mean, I get tired. Of, I get tired of hearing it, but it is Rocky Top. Yes. Yeah, I have to agree with them. I mean, I mean, <laughs> I mean let's, let's face it. I mean, Georgia uses it. Auburn uses it. I think like a, a couple other schools use it. I'm just trying to backtrack here, Kevin, and just out of curiosity's sake, have you picked Georgia on any of these? I actually, yeah, I picked on the first one. I said Ugga's a better mascot. I said all if right. I wanted, had to own one, I wouldn't own a Bulldog. Okay, so but that's quali- just, so the that's one not that, against Ugga no, personally. Okay, that's just so against the, all Bulldogs Just to be clear, general. the one that you picked, you qualified and said if the, you've changed the question, you would have t- picked the other dog. So yeah, I said if is I there, is there, a dog, Is there something you want to talk about, like with your disdain for Georgia? Uh, I'm sorry. I believe everybody else has picked uh, a lot of Tennessee <laughs> in this thing as well. All right. I'm just saying. Uh, you get to the better tradition. I don't. In, uh, I took umbrage with BJ this earlier. I don't even know if this is a tradition, but the silver britches or the checkerboard end zones. Those are both traditions. Okay. Yeah, those are both traditions. If your biggest tradition I, is pants, I think we know where we have to wait, go wait, on that. What didn't say it's necessarily your biggest tradition. I mean, look, I think I, I like the silver britches. I think they look good, but the checkerboard end zones are unique. They look. I mean, they are they are immediately identifiable with Tennessee and Tennessee alone. So I got to go with I got to go with the end zones. Silver bridges are smooth, but checkerboard end zones, I mean, hey, you got – I don't like much about Tennessee, even those colors, but when you come to them checkerboard end zones, man, that's pretty freaking smooth. I got to go with them checkerboards. You got to think we could have done better with this question. We had pants and paint in the end zone. I think they have a lot of great traditions that – Hold on a second. How many, how many questions did, did, did you provide or come up with? That's fine. I was only asked to answer the question, and I'm answering them as, <laughs> I, as I see fit. All right. Both teams know for some great players – Better defensive tackle duo, Stroud and Seymour, or Henderson and Hainsworth? And we're talking college only, both elite, but I got to go Henderson and uh, Hainsworth there. Uh, uh, unfortunately for me, I was blessed, or you want to say blessed, to play against both of these uh, you know, uh, duos. Um, came out on the losing end with uh, Hainsworth and Henderson, and I came out on the winning end against Stroud and Seymour. So I'm going to go with uh, the more Tennessee boys. I will go with Georgia, and I partially I've hung up on Marcus Stroud before. He's like, hey, click. Did not mean to do it. <laughs> Thought I was going to have to uh, get in the showdown, but I did hang up on Marcus Stroud before uh, on the show. So, But Mark Stroud, Richard Seymour, I will go there. Better DN, David Pollock or Reggie White? Both, I think, uh, BJ mentioned, when Qualify you put together all-time lists, both College the, or pros? C- college. Okay. This is brutal. I mean, obviously, they were vastly Reggie White, yeah. Reggie White, yeah. yeah. So everyone's going to be like, if you said David Paul, you're crazy. 
No, I, no, this is all college over this with you earlier, and and you said, look, I, they're right there, the same. I mean, I I'm gonna take I'm gonna take both. You got to go one. I think they're arguably one two in SEC history. You have Clowney and Garrett and others up there. Ben Alex Brown. Uh, college only, and maybe this is just because I was able to see him. I will go David Pollock. <sighs> I, I I knew that I knew this question was gonna make it in there. I knew it. Yeah, talk but about no, it. Yeah, talk about it. I never never ever played against Reggie White. Thank God for that. God is good to me. I didn't want to have to deal with that at all. I would never would have played against him again in college. But, look, when you talk about the gold standard of defensive ends in the SEC, I got I to gotta go with David Pollard. I mean, I think you have to uh, uh, raise your hand if you – I saw Reggie White play a lot in the pros. I don't think – I think I was of cognizant age. Reggie White was, at the, Reggie White. was at the 2002 game in the rain. We played against Tennessee – and he was like, hey, man, this is going to be one of the best teams Tennessee has. And when we beat them, he was uh, no longer around. Um, you know, he wasn't there for uh, uh, after the game for the po- you know, post game. But, uh, no, I don't want to talk about these guys anymore. So. Were, you, were you hunting him out, trying to go shake his hand? Like, oh, of course. I would have fanboyed him. Where, I mean, where's I mean, Reggie? If I, I mean, if I he left. No, I would have I did the whole back to him. Is this him? Is this him? Is this him? Yeah, that's Reggie White. All right, a couple more real quick. Uh, better DB from Tennessee or Georgia, Champ Bailey or Eric Berry? Again, college only. Oh. Uh, and in and, and different positions, I mean, corner and safety. Ben, I've heard you say before, corner's the toughest position of all time because you're, you're, you're on an island. I think both guys are all-time greats, but if corner is the tougher position, I, I, I will go with Champ Bailey. And it, listen, it ain't, too many, it ain't too many athletes I'm going to ever say affected the game more than Champ Bailey, but Eric Berry was something serious at – the guy had a Heisman Trophy. He, he had a Heisman, uh, you know, campaign. He had a big, gigantic, like a, I don't know. I don't know how big that freaking uh, freaking uh, blow-up thing is. they have him outside. Love Champ Bailey. And Champ going to beat the brakes off him when he see me for talking trash about him. But I'm going to have to go with Eric Berry. I thought tight end was the most difficult position in Well, that, in, well, that, in well that's the most athletic position on the field. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it, it, I, I got to go Champ Bailey here uh, as well. Uh, more overall history. This is one that's totally subjective, Georgia or Tennessee. I think it's Tennessee. I think it's Tennessee, the more recent national championship. I think you go back to a long time ago, Tennessee was more of a national power. I'll go the Vols. It is the Vols. I mean, I think a lot, I think a lot of Georgia's history is, a t- is, is, is tied to one player. And if you and, uh, Tennessee, Tennessee's uh, best player never won a national championship. I mean, T. Martin won the, won the, uh, won the national when uh, Peyton Manning couldn't do it. Georgia got some you know, rich, rich tradition, but I don't think it uh, measures up to Tennessee. So to, so to sum up Ben's argument, Georgia's best player – did get a national championship. Tennessee's best player didn't get a national championship. We're going to go with Tennessee. Is that what we're saying? Is that what we're saying? Because what I'm saying is if you take away Tennessee's best player, they still have one. If you take away Georgia's, what do they have? They still have one. Maybe not in the the recent era, but they still have some. I'm not talking about when there wasn't no TV. This is history. History goes all the way back. You can't only you can't just select the in, in the window between 1980 and 1990. That's the no. You said history tradition. Right. It's definitely Georgia. All right. Definitely Georgia. Definitely, he says. <laughs> Pro- Give it no, up. I like it. You're coming around. No, I'm not. I, 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 I'm, I'm just going with what's silver, factually out there. Going to be wearing them silver britches on Saturday. No, that's not a tradition. I, I get you. You can't say pants. No, that that shouldn't be like up there as the, the best tradition. Georgia's got. Fifty other things that come before pants. That's right, Kevin. You tell the them about it. I'm just saying. You support them dogs. <laughs> just not the bulldog. Can't own one of those. Can't do it. But no one said you had to. Kevin. We'll come back. Sonny Siler's got it taken care of, man. That's fine. He can have all the bulldogs he wants. Jake Russo will join us when we come back on three. We're talking Georgia, Tennessee with him next. It's three and out.
Good to have you along here, three and out. Kevin, BJ, and Ben, glad you're making us a part of your day. Georgia and Tennessee coming up this weekend in Knoxville. Joining us here uh, on the show from On3.com, covers the Georgia Bulldogs. Jake Roos joins us here on 3 and Out. Jake, welcome. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you guys for having me. And, and it seems like a lot of folks from the outside looking at this thing saying, maybe this is a game that gives Georgia problems. Tennessee likes to go fast. They like to hurry up. They want to run a lot of plays. I look at it the other way and say, uh, this Tennessee defense is pretty bad. How are they going to keep the game uh, close against the defense? Even if they score more than anybody else, it still may not be enough against that Georgia defense. How do you kind of see this game from a Georgia standpoint with all the challenges that, that, that Tennessee might bring them? No, you know, I, I think you're spot on. I think that uh, that's got to be the concern for Tennessee. Uh, you know, I, I think the, the Vols do have a real chance to be, uh, you know, the highest scoring offense against this Georgia team this year. But, you know, that's not really saying much. That would be topping 13 points. So, uh, you know, the, they don't have the defense, though, I don't think uh, necessarily. And, and quite frankly, you know, the, the faster that offense operates and if they are efficient and able to score or they're creating quick three and outs, that's going to be a, a, a disadvantage for their defense as well. I mean, they were on the on the uh, field 99 plays last week. So, uh, you know, I, I think that uh, it, it's a double-edged sword for Tennessee, kind of tough either way you slice it for them from a defensive standpoint. Uh, I think that that's going to end up being the problem. I, I, like I said, I do think they can score on Georgia. I just don't see the defense being able to keep them in this thing very hard. And, Jake, to that end, I mean, what do you think we see out of Stetson Bennett and Georgia offensively on Saturday? You know, I think that you'll continue to see what you have to. You know, I think that they, uh, you know, are going to feel like they can take some shots, and probably rightfully so. I mean, uh, you know, if you're looking for a strength in this defense for Tennessee, it's probably that secondary. But by the same token, that's not stopped teams from being able to go deep on them when they want to. Uh, you know, I think that you'll see the uh, offensive line try to get some push, especially, uh, you know, with Broderick Jones still working out there at left tackle in relief of Jamari Sawyer. Uh, you know, you're going to see an opportunity for them to get out there, create some push, and, and try to uh, establish the run and get that going. And, and quite frankly, I think that that's probably the direction you'll see Georgia take this because if you can get out there and grind these guys down and play keep away, that, that's probably the worst thing for Tennessee possible. They need as many possessions as they can possibly get. And, Jake, if this thing gets out of hand like most people think it will, will there be a JT Daniels sighting on, on Saturday? Yeah, I don't see why not. I think that that makes all the sense in the world. I mean, you saw it in the last game for the same reason, and I think that you could see it again here. I think that uh, you also saw in the last game that there is some rust to knock off when it comes to JT Daniels. And I, I think that, uh, you know, it's, it's a good move for Georgia to continue to do that when the band's playing. Obviously, he can get those reps in practice, but uh, his layoff is pretty significant. So I think that it does make sense, and I, I do think that you'll get an opportunity to see that on Saturday. Jay Cruz joining us here on 3 and Out. And, Jake, if you look at Georgia's defense and the way they've played, we talked about Tennessee's up-tempo offense. Uh, obviously, Tennessee wants to run 70, 80, probably closer to 80, 90 plays. Georgia, I, I think, last in the SEC in plays per game on defense because, obviously, they're uh, getting off the field quickly and their, their offense is controlling things. But how do you think that affects this team having not necessarily, if Tennessee does what they want to, played a game for 80, 85 snaps on defense? You know, I, I don't know that it'll be a problem because I think what you have to point to and what you have to hope for is that all this experience that the defense has gotten in the second and third string over the course of the season is there to pay off and work in relief. I think that, uh, 
you know, you've got to assume that those guys are, are able to step up to the challenge. And quite frankly, they've been able to do that when they've had the opportunities. Uh, you know, it's not like in the second string defense is going in that they've allowed a lot of points either. So, um, you know, I think that that's what you have to kind of trust if you're Kirby and if you're this, uh, this defensive staff is that, hey, we recruited this depth. Let's let them do what they do. Let's not let these guys get gassed and make a, uh, make a costly error for that reason. We can keep fresh legs in there and we feel confident about it. How important are the first couple of drives, you know, first seven, eight minutes of the game going to be when you think about Tennessee's going to have the big-time home crowd, the black uniforms, they're going to be looking for the upset. I mean, if Georgia comes out and gets a couple of quick stops, maybe a couple of scores early, is that, does that mean it's going to be a really long day for Tennessee? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think realistically the, the, the big thing Tennessee has to watch out for is some quick three and out. Uh, to kind of get this thing going. I, I think that they need to come out. If they were able to come out and hit and establish themselves early as an offensive threat, I think that could go a long way to helping their chances on Saturday. But quite frankly, it's not really been a situation where, you know, it's phased Georgia too much when teams have done that. I mean, you saw even Missouri the other day kind of come out with some juice in their step and uh, kind of play it a little sloppy. Uh, you know, uh, Georgia played it a little sloppy, I thought, early on. But they were able to settle down and, and keep their composure. And that's something Kirby Smart has made a huge talking point this year, rightfully so. I think Georgia's done a good job of keeping that. You know, kind of maybe uh, help out this Tennessee team. I mean, you talk about a team that's playing better as of late, but at the end of the day, this is a Georgia team that's seen it all, done it all, and they seem to always play with poise. Yeah, you know, I, I think that that crowd at Neyland can never be underestimated. But, uh, you know, it's not like it's been a sellout. Uh, you know, it's uh, for this game, um, you know, there were tickets still available, I think, as recently as yesterday. So, you know, that, that tells me that there's probably going to be a strong Georgia contingent there as well. Uh, I think Georgia fans are, are going to travel well for this one, and I think that that'll be helpful too. But, you know, if, if they can get the momentum rolling, uh, it, it can be very difficult. It's a very hostile environment there in, in Neyland Stadium. Uh, but like you said, you know, Georgia's kind of seen and, and handled it all. They did it in Jordan Air, uh, which is a, a very similar atmosphere, in my opinion. Um, you know, I, I think that they, they feel battle-tested, and, uh, and they should feel confident in their ability because they have seen a lot this season. Jake Roos on 3.com. Jordan is here on 3 and Out and winning on Saturday. Georgia will go 8-0 in SEC play, something I don't know that they've, uh, they've done before. Yeah, you know that could uh, that could be very interesting to see. Certainly, I, I think that uh, you know you you you've got to keep your fingers crossed for it. But um, you know they feel confident about their chances. I believe uh, I don't think they're overlooking this Tennessee team at all. And really, I think that this is a good uh, a good time for this game to hit and a, and a good opponent to be facing because. I don't know that you faced an offense that was clicking the way Tennessee has been to this point. Uh, I think as you move forward, you're you're playing in the, the SEC championship. That's already locked in. Um, you know you're gonna you're gonna probably play a dynamic offense there, and uh, certainly if you make an appearance in the playoffs, you will as well. Uh, I think that this is a good test for them moving forward, uh, regardless of the outcome. Uh, Jake, I know you've seen some uh, decommitments from Florida turned to Georgia, some uh, decommitments from other teams as well in the past. Uh, where's where's Georgia at with this recruiting class, and just how good could it end up being? Georgia's on fire, quite frankly. I mean, they have been for a while when it comes to uh, the recruiting trail. But, uh, you know, that number one ranking, uh, you know, this dominant performance that you've seen throughout the season, uh, it's all playing in, and kids are excited by it and uh, encouraged by it and want to be a part of it. So, 
Um, you know, they picked up a, a commitment today from Julian Humphrey, a former Florida commit. Uh, he's kind of uh, he backed off of the commitment about a week and a half, two weeks ago. And, uh, you know, Georgia kind of the clear leader there from the get-go. Uh, didn't make any bones about it today and uh, goes ahead and comes along. Uh, you know, if you're if you're on the outside looking in and you're uh, another team, uh, you've got to be a little bit concerned about what you're seeing there because uh, it feels like the rich are getting richer when it comes to uh, talent. Georgia uh, on fire and, uh, you know, only more big names to come uh, based on everything we've heard. So uh, it, it's really a matter of uh, when, not if. Jake Roos on 3.com joining us here on 3Down. Jake, uh, speaking of uh, recruiting, got a book out about recruiting uh, and Georgia. The Road to Georgia, incredible twists and improbable turns along the Georgia Bulldogs recruiting trail. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, you know, it's a really exciting project to work on. Glad we had the opportunity to do it from Triumph Books. Um, and hope people will check it out. Uh, you know, we did interviews with uh, some of the greatest names in Georgia football history, um, you know, just kind of recapping their their recruitment, how they ended up at Georgia, and, and, and how it all kind of came together for them. Uh, some very eye-opening pieces, you know, even going back to Quincy Carter and talking about, uh, you know, his uh, you know, transition from playing baseball and being a Georgia Tech commit and, uh, you know, ended up in Athens, how that kind of all went down, uh, all the way up through David Pollock, Isaac Nada, Jake Gaines. Um, you know, we, we, talk, we, we take it from a, a pretty wide perspective, even starting back at Charlie Trippy. So uh, it, it was a really great project, and uh, the feedback's been really solid, and we appreciate everybody who's checked it out and hope people will uh, continue to do so. It's the road to Georgia, incredible twists, Improbable turns along the Georgia Bulldogs recruiting trail, trail by Jake Roos. Got a forward by Mark Richt in there as well. Encourage you to check that out. Jake, really appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Hey, thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. Jake Roos joining us here on 3 and Out. More to come here on this Friday. Hit us up on Twitter at Pigskin Radio. Good to have you back here on 3 and Out. Kevin, BJ, and Ben. Falcons and Cowboys coming up uh, this weekend. But can Atlanta get something going uh, with their running game? Our next guest knows a little bit about that. Former Pro Bowl Falcons running back, the burner. Michael Turner joining us here on 3 and Out. Michael, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good, guys. How you guys been doing? Hey, we've been doing fantastic. Uh, You look at this Atlanta Falcons team to date. Uh, you got a coach in Arthur Smith, came in from Tennessee, obviously had a different type of running back uh, there in Tennessee, but kind of came in as uh, offensive coordinator, looked at running the football, power run game, and so far the Falcons have really been anything but that on, on offense. What do you kind of uh, attribute that to? Even the guy Mike Davis they brought in to be that guy hasn't been that guy. It's been Cordero Patterson. Uh, yeah, it's been tough sledding in the run game for the Falcons, you know, uh, but uh, they've still been finding ways to win certain football games, you know. Uh, sitting around 500, they, uh, based on the production of the offense, you know, and not having re- having really a Julio Jones this year, uh, it's been a difference for them. And uh, I think they should be satisfied at being sitting where they are right now. And Michael, you mentioned 500. This is a team that's tied for 31st in the league in rushing touchdowns, 31st in yards per carry, 29th in rushing. I mean, can you stay around 500 if you're that imbalanced offensively, or are they going to at some point have to get more of a productive running game going? Uh, they definitely need a more productive running game going. Uh, don't get it twisted. You know, but, you know, I'm, I'm just saying, like, they're lucky to be, to be where they are right now, being, being last, close to near the last in the league in rushing. But they need to turn around quick, and I know they know that. I know Mike Davis knows that. You know, you get, we got some runs from some good runs from uh, uh, from uh, uh, Patterson, uh, but uh, 
We just need we just need more production. That's they they need that play action to get popping. So we need to run the ball more effectively for, for that to happen. And Mike, most of the time when people look at high powered offense, they want to see uh, these long passes down the field. But when uh you know when you was with Matty Ice and those guys, and you had Tony Gonzalez, you had Roddy White and Julio, and those guys. Yes, he was putting up big time numbers in the passing game, but you also had first team All Pro next to your name. Oh, definitely, definitely, yeah. So, you know, the the run game complements the passing game, you know, and vice versa. So, uh, right, like, like you said, who's on the outside right now? You only got Cordell Patterson and, you know, Justin Gage is getting there, getting involved. But no Ridley, you know, that, that hurts. It, it's not like uh, uh, you know, he's, he's not missing guys out there. He's, you know, we only got you know, Kyle Pitts, he's a rookie. Uh, he's learning. And how to, how to be an NFL pro. So it's going to take time for the big plays to happen. But when they do, uh, this offense does have potential to be explosive. And, and, Michael, I know no running back will ever throw it on the, the guys up front, but how much of what we've seen out of the Falcons' running game comes from maybe a lack of confidence that they can block this thing, uh, that they can open lanes for the, for the running back, and they're, and they're not willing to, I guess, make a commitment to it as a staff at this point? Uh, yeah, uh, I don't know. I got you. Got to talk to Doc Smith about that. See if, if he like guys that he has up front as far as confidence, things like that. Uh, you know, I know his lines been shuffled around a little bit, guys been injured or whatnot. Uh, but we are still trying to find the right recipe up front, get the right combination to go on to, to get that run game looking like it was in Tennessee. How much of running the football and and few people did it better than you is 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 rhythm based where you have to get the consistent opportunities and I know I've heard you talk about this before kind of the the familiarity between the backs and like Kevin said the offensive line up front all being on the same page. Uh, yeah, it just it just takes time, man. It takes time to get all that worked out. It, it doesn't happen overnight. You know, uh, when I came in, I had, I had some guys that was some, some nasty guys up front, and uh, and uh, you know, I was able to. To make things happen back there, my first, uh, my first few years up, well, all my years up there, really. But uh, but uh, well, things just ain't the same anymore, man. It's a passing league, and you know, some of the offensive guys are more, you know, passive than before, because you know, you don't get to practice run game that much with the pads on throughout the week, so it's totally different. So it's hard, to, it's hard to find a uh, establish a dominant run game like that. So it was really impressive what they was able to do in Tennessee. You also had Derek Henry in the backfield, so. Um, so that, that helps a lot, a lot. <laughs> I mean, Mike, obviously you're not going to, you know, speak up for yourself, but, I mean, when you when you had the offensive line that you had, it's not like you had a whole bunch of first-team all-pros in front of you at the offensive line. How much was it about you telling them? Because I've heard offensive linemen and running backs talk to each other. You say, listen, man, I want you guys to step like this. It's not like you're the extra offensive line coach, but they say, hey, Mike, hey, Mike how do you want us to step on this play? How do you want us to step on that play? Because you was a downhill runner. You was a guy that could you – know, very, very physical, but you also could hit the home run. Did you have – conversations with the offensive line saying, hey, listen, I want you guys to block it like this on this play and that play because you guys seem to be on the same page out there. No, definitely, definitely. You know, my guys had heart. They might not be the most talented guys, but they had heart, you know. So we just had discussions, man, like uh, uh, block this way, and uh, I, I would be more patient during this, doing this steps and things like that. So we had, we had special meetings after practice, just the O-line and running backs to, to go over run plays and look at run clips and, and see what we can do as a whole, to, to improve our game and, and get a better understanding of each other, man. It's just about chemistry, man. And, Mike, what, what does it say about you spending four years behind LaDainian Thomas? Obviously, one of the best to ever do it. And you come sign the big-time free agency deal with the Falcons. People are saying, 
what type of player is this guy? How much of it is, one, I want to prove that, you know, I'm one of the best players, but then I don't want him to look back at my history here in Atlanta and think, oh, man, this guy got a bunch of money to produce. I mean, first team all pro means I'm considered the best player at my position that year. Oh, uh, definitely. I had a lot to prove, man. I still had a trip my shoulder from the draft, really, to tell you the truth. Uh, you know, I, th- I thought I should have been drafted higher. But I was in a, behind LT in San Diego, so I was able to just fortunate enough to learn from him certain things. You know, we were two totally different backs, but uh, I was learned how to be a pro through him and then, uh, you know, understand that when I get my opportunities, I had to take the, make the most of them. And uh, so I was looking good on taping uh, in San Diego, so Atlanta brought me in and I had to had something else to prove then, like that I that I earned the, the the check that I was getting, and that was another 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 fire under me too. So uh, everything worked out well, man. I think. Michael Turner joining us here on Three and Out, and Michael, we've talked about it on this show. I'm interested to get your thoughts uh, on it in, in terms of some of the the slow start with Atlanta offensively. But a lot of the key guys did not play in the preseason. None of the three weeks. We didn't see Mike Davis out there. Really didn't see uh, Matt Ryan. Didn't see a lot of the, the main receiver guys, save maybe a couple of snaps. How much of that affected maybe what we saw the first three, four, five ball games of the year? The fact that those guys, I know there's practice, but did not play at all uh, in the preseason. Uh, man, that's one of the things that I don't like about the preseason. Uh, you know, I'm old school, man. Uh, I like I like guys getting their reps. Uh, I was I was under a hard coach with Marty Schottenheimer for a few years, and he didn't, you know, necessarily play guys not not practicing all, or playing all preseason, and then just all of a sudden go uh, play uh, regular season games and expect to be, you know, full go and uh, as sharp and crisp as they would if they, you know, as they would have if they played uh, in the preseason. So uh, I don't like that. I think too many guys miss preseason. You know, some guys needed need these reps, man. There was a lot of reps that was left on the, on the field out there not playing a preseason. Michael, I know you've mentioned a couple of times it's a passing league and we see the, you know, the stats and, and all that every week. But what are your thoughts on kind of the way the running backs are being used around the league? I know they're big parts of the passing game. Maybe you see rotations uh, between two, three backs. How do you think running backs are being used in the league right now? I mean, uh, you know, it's, man, it's hard to tell. I, I wouldn't like it personally. Um, it will be, be a major adjustment for me, you know, uh, even though I've been a backup before, I know how to go in there and get spurts of spurts of time here and there. But I got I know it's got to be tough for a guy to get his rhythm and stuff. And knowing like the passing league, and then on top of that, not all the run plays are not getting short a little bit. Uh, I like you guess I guess you'd like an extra receiver out there nowadays. Sometimes an extra blocker, for the most part. You know, some guys not really get a chance to run the football, not to get get lathered up real good and and, and go after these defensive guys and work the defenses out. And Mike, obviously, you played. We we played during a time the way you had that bell cow uh, running back. You had a guy to come in. You know, maybe a third down back. Do you th- do you see the NFL becoming more of a two back league? Not necessarily because you don't have one guy, but you keep two guys fresh and you have two guys that have you know very very similar skill sets. Yeah, I think that's the philosophy: having two two guys fresh, you know, and, and just hitting guys with all angles. But you know, even though you still got two guys, like I said, they're not even calling that many run plays in the league right now. So. Uh, everything's all about all about the quarterback these days, which is understandable. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's difficult, man. It's difficult. Hard to say if I if I were like playing in this era. Uh, but if, if they give me the ball like Derek Henry or something, I'll, I, I'll make work with it like that. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Turner, our guest here on Three Now, former Pro Bowl Falcons running back, joining us here on the program. Michael, really appreciate the time. Thanks so much. 
Uh, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate the Falcons and the Cowboys this week. And the Falcons certainly going to need to run the football if they're going to want to beat uh, Dallas coming up on Sunday, Ben. And uh, this is a game that Atlanta thinks they can maybe go in and, and, and get a dub on. Uh, Atlanta got good shots in it. I mean, I, I go back to a week ago when uh, Denver goes, in, goes into uh, Dallas and nobody saw Denver uh, doing what they did. I am not saying uh, Atlanta is Denver. I'm saying Atlanta need to, need to call, you know, take the two gloves and uh, Matty Ice need to just, you know, chop it up on FaceTime and say, look, man, this is what we did. We stayed on those guys. Cordell Patterson, look, whatever he got to take, take an IV, take a quarter zone shot, take, take all the Gatorade he need. Mike Davis, hey, you, you have RB next to your name. Go out there and run the football and Matty Ice, do what you do. But we're talking about the offense, right? Deion Jones. Grady Jarrett. Hey, uh, Dante Fowler Jr., y'all get paid to play football. You're going to have to stop that, that Dallas offense because they are uh, – I think I think last week, I think it was 30-0 going into the fourth quarter with Denver. And Dallas Dallas going to be trying to make a statement. Atlanta should be trying to make a statement as well. I think you've got to find a way, Kevin, just to get situationally more consistent using the running backs. That doesn't mean you have to run the ball 50 times a game, but I think you have to try to stay ahead of the sticks. You have to, especially in the red zone, have balance. So you got to commit to running the ball a little more. We'll have more to come here on 3 and Out. Talking uh, Georgia. A lot of big college football coming up uh, here this weekend as well. We'll get to that here on 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here. We'll take three coming up top of next hour. Dave Holcomb going to join us from uh, southernpigskin.com. We'll look at the weekend upcoming uh, in the ACC. Wake Forest playing another school from North Carolina in the AC, but it's a conference game this week. So we'll talk about uh, we'll talk about so that. So confusing, man. I don't get it. Well, a lot of people don't get it. I, again, but that's either here or there. We'll look at high school football playoffs getting started this weekend. A lot of teams playing on Saturday here in the first round. We'll take a look at some of those big matchups coming up, BJ, in hour number two. Kevin, go ahead and get to what's on the rundown, man. It says, listen, you're going to give us a breakdown. World Cup qualifier tonight. Yep. Team USA taking on Mexico. Big game. couple of really good, really good sides. Give us a breakdown of what we'll see tonight with uh, USA-Mexico. Okay. Uh, Christian Pulisic, is he, is he playing? Uh, it looks like he's coming off the bench. So no, he's like he's gonna he's gonna be a late no he'll be a late sub. Hey, Christian, that's a pretty good uh, breakdown there because that's the question is yeah. what are we gonna see out of Pulisic? And no, Kevin goes right to BJ, it, man. I want to go into the mindset of Kevin. Kevin, do you want the U.S. national team to lose tonight? No, I already asked BJ in the thing. I said if we if if Team USA loses, are we out of the World Cup? And he was like, No. I'm like, Oh. Man. Well, no, but do so you but you are actively rooting against the U.S. national team. Yeah, I don't want them. You in the hate World America. Cup. I don't like the. So- I don't. No, want you them hate in the America. World Cup. We shouldn't want to be good at soccer. No, you hate America. <laughs> Like, it doesn't matter if it's been – I don't know if you're like this, but if it's, like, underwater basket weaving, if it's a flip cup, it doesn't matter what it is. If you put, like, the nations behind it and the U.S. is playing somebody in something, I am emotionally invested in it. (sighs) Man, U.S. women's national – the U.S. men's national team, I apologize. BJ is going to definitely let me know here. I'll come and BJ will go, we got to qualify around against Mexico tonight. I'm like, just calm down. No, but have you ever stayed up until like three o'clock in the morning to watch like curling in the Olympics because the U.S. team was in the gold medal match? No, nope. I've never stayed up till three o'clock in the morning, but I have been up at three o'clock in the morning to turn on the TV and watch curling and say to myself, "What are they doing? Is this a quicker picker upper?" No, I'm yes. But but BJ, could it work in reverse? Could Kevin could Kevin want not want America to do so bad they end up doing really really well and they go deep into the World Cup? No, that's that's a I have no effect on it. It's, 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 again, there's no curses. There's no, nothing else. I'm just asking, you know, if, if, if they lose, does that mean we don't have to worry about the World Cup? That's all. And so you hate America. Recap for folks on Monday. Thank you very much. What time are they playing? 
9 o'clock. Yeah, probably won't catch that. Well, we, we got more to come here on 3 and Out. We'll take three right around the corner. Hit us up on Twitter at Pigskin Radio. We're streaming live ESPNCoastal.com, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Great to be here with you on this Friday, Hour 2. Kevin, BJ, and Ben. We'll hear from Dave Holcomb, southernpigskin.com, here this hour. Also, uh, the high school football playoffs start tonight. First round action tonight and tomorrow. Got a lot of teams that are playing on Saturday. Uh, Single A and 6A all playing their first round games on Saturday this week. So we'll get to some of that coming up here this hour as well. But first, let's take three here on 3 and Out. All right, fellas, take one. Cam Newton is back with the Carolina Panthers. Is Cam Newton a Hall of Famer? Hall of Fame edition here of uh, Take Three today, by the way. To me, I think he already is. And, you know, we'll see how much longer he plays. Is it all with Carolina? You know, what does the future hold? But you look at Cam Newton, already has the MVP. And, you know, Ben, we've talked about the value of that, and we've done this in the past with other guys you have an MVP you've been to a Super Bowl you've been a consistent winner in the playoffs and the passing numbers I think he's I was just looking at it in like the top uh he has a chance to get to the top maybe 30 or so in 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 passing yards all time I think is um you know in the 60s somewhere right now and obviously 500 a thousand yards goes a long way on those lists but has been for stretches of his career among the two or three four best quarterbacks in the league and I think just he's been part of the innovation we've seen in the National Football League his impact Cam Newton has more rushing touchdowns than Eddie George for example just for frame of reference so he has incredible production as a passer he has incredible production as a rusher he has been um a playmaker the likes of which we just have not seen many people like him with his size and versatility and accuracy and ability to be a dual threat quarterback and then you think about being a winner getting to the super bowl yes i think cam newton is a hall of fame quarterback can you talk about the quarterback position without talking about cam newton the answer is no you talk about what he means to the quarterback position and dual threat quarterbacks and everything he went through from coming you know coming out of a system that people didn't think he would jail with this system BJ, you talk about him having more rushing touchdowns. <clears throat> uh, you know, uh, then Eddie George, he has four. He has four. He has four fewer than Earl Campbell. I mean, what what are we talking about? Like Cam Newton has almost what 5,800 yards rushing and 70 touchdowns before we even get to the, you know, to the to the passing yards. Cam Newton is a Hall of Famer. I don't know what we be looking. Does he have Drew Brees numbers? No. Does he have Peyton Manning's passing numbers? No. But when Cam Newton walks in the room, you're going, I, I, I want one of those. Well, I'm sorry. They, those are sold separately right there, son. We, they don't make them like that. 6'5", 250, coming downhill. And he's back with the Panthers. So, before it's all said and done, BJ, <clears throat> he might have more rushing touchdowns. Guess who has – he has 15 less than Marshawn Lynch. Just, just think about that. Beast mode has 85. He only play running back. Cam gets to run the football, and he has 15 less. So, yes, Cam Newton is a Hall of Famer. Deal with it. I think he is. I think, that, as Ben said, the evaluation process is going to be not just him against quarterbacks, but there, there really hasn't been a whole lot of guys that do what he has done. Maybe when it comes down to it, a Lamar Jackson down the road, maybe a Michael Vick, but I think, obviously, in terms of stats, he's gone uh, past what, what Michael Vick was able to do in terms of running the football. So, I mean, I, I think he's kind of in his own evaluation. Uh, 
If, again, as Ben said, if you just look at him and say, was he better than Drew Brees? Was he better than Peyton Manning? Was he better than Tom Brady? As a straight-up quarterback, maybe not. But he's in kind of in his own mold, I think, uh, as a quarterback if you're going to well, evaluate him Kev, on that level. Kev, let me add this real quick just to clarify because I was, I was looking at the numbers wrong. Cam is already in the top. 50 uh, right at 46 in career passing yards and uh, you would think maybe maybe even by the end of this season could pass Mark Brunel, Kurt Warner, Troy Aikman potentially so he's already in the top 50 just wanted to clarify that. All right moving on to another interesting case Matt Ryan take two is Matt Ryan a, a Hall of Famer? And I've gone back and forth on this over the years I mean you would you would you would assume there's a couple of more years out there I mean Atlanta didn't draft a quarterback last year but I think when you look at his numbers I believe he is in the top 10 all time in passing yards and passing touchdowns to go back to the the point Ben about um you know do you have the MVP the all pro Matt Ryan does has been to a Super Bowl I mean lost in the Super Bowl in overtime to Brady I don't think there's any I'd love to to have the ring but you've been a consistent winner at a franchise that has not necessarily had that success historically uh, with each game, the numbers just become more and more impressive. The consistency, I think he is. I don't think it's a first ballot thing, but I think Matt Ryan is in the Hall of Fame. Matt Ryan is the best player in franchise history for the Atlanta Falcons. Atlanta Falcons don't got a rich tradition. <laughs> I'm, I'm not weird to my rich traditions over here, but look at who we came behind. Michael Vick was the Atlanta Falcons. Let's just let's just call it what it is. Let's, you know, Matty Ice comes there, and this is something. Matty Ice has been there what 13 years? That's 13. That's 13 uh, uh, drafts. And come and go, Matty Ice is still the guy. I, I talk about how how Hall of Famers make other players better. You know, you know who uh, you know who Michael Vick had? He had Roddy White. He had Roddy White, and you know uh, when Roddy White was with Mike Vick, he wasn't the Roddy White he was when he got uh, when he got uh, Matty Ice. So. Yes, Matt. What else, what else does he do? He lost the Super Bowl, not because of him, because he should, you know, because of the play calling. It wasn't because Matty Ice scored enough points. Defense just went into prevent in the second half. And if you go back and replay that, you know, you know, James White was not in the end zone. He actually was down before. That, 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 that's another. That's Yes, Matty Ice is a Hall of Famer. He has an MVP next to his name, has a Super Bowl appearance. They did not lose because of Matty Ice. They was in the game because of him. But, yes, Matty Ice is a Hall of Famer, yes. To break up the Matt Ryan love fest just a little bit, would the argument, if you were going to say no, be how many times over the course of his career to this point was Matt Ryan amongst the top four or five quarterbacks in the league? Was Phillip Rivers ever? No, and I, I think Was Phillip Donovan Rivers, McNabb? No, and I, again, I, I think if you're having that conversation about I, those I, guys, I, I think that's a fair criticism of them. I, uh, if you're talking about that, I mean, again, everybody who is a good quarterback can't just be put in the Hall of Fame because they were good and played a long time. All right, I, well, let's just call him down. Whoa, 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 whoa. No, no. I, he's in the top ten all time in whoa, yards whoa, whoa, and whoa, touchdowns. Whoa, 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 he's not just everybody who's played. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Now, I... I I look at who I look at who was in the league with you, both in your division and in the league. You dealing with Peyton Manning, dealing with Phillip Rivers, Ben Roethlisberger. You know, you dealing with Tom Brady, but in your division, in his division, that's what, I ain't talking about James Winston back then. I ain't talking about excuse me, Tampa Bay, Drew Brees, Cam Newton, and Matty Ice in the same division. You know what Matty Ice and Cam Newton did that Drew Brees never did? Record season MVP. That's got to mean something. I'm just saying. I'm just trying to play the other card. I would say he was the best quarterback in the National Football League for a year. Okay, I'm 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 saying. I remember having that same conversation with fans and people who would call the show and say, Is Matt Ryan elite? 
Is he a top nine, ten quarterback? And this has been a number. I'm not saying the year they went to Super Bowl. I'm saying that has always been seemingly a talking point around Matt Ryan. I just don't think that's fair. Like, you have to be the best to be a Hall of Famer. I think more than one Hall of Famer at a position can play at the same time. I I agree. I, I think my whole point about that is, were you among the best? For a more than one year span. Absolutely. I'm not, yes, again, yes. again, I'm just putting out the way I look at it. Start up the, the mat hive. When you when you look, <laughs> were you among the best, and usually I would say among the top one or two yes. premier players at your position for more than one season, for multiple seasons, unquestionably. I think that's where folks will detract from Matt Ryan that don't think he necessarily played at that level. I think they might be a little misguided on that. But I think that would be the argument against Matt Ryan that – Yet again, not your fault. You play with uh-huh. a lot of elite quarterbacks. Uh-huh. But largely, if you look at the area he played in, you say, name the best quarterbacks. Matt Ryan might roll off the tongue sixth or seventh, and depending on what kind yeah, of segment yeah, you're yeah, talking yes. about. I don't think he would be the top one or two. And again, that's yeah, not his fault. Yeah, but to Christian's point, but to Christian's point, much like you can have three of the top five teams in the country be from the SEC, you can have three of the top five quarterbacks of the last 30 years, potentially, play in the same four, five, six, seven-year span. There can be, I agree with Christian's point, there can be more than just one or two quarterbacks at a Hall of Fame level, playing at a Hall of Fame level at a certain time. And somebody, and it, it goes back to something else Christian said. If somebody said, listen, okay, man, at your peak, how good are you? I can win MVP. Did you win it? Yes. And and that's and that's saying something when the gold standard of quarterback in the regular season was Peyton Manning. The gold standard of quarterback in the postseason was Tom Brady. This man won a regular season MVP. Wow, though. Charles Barkley won an MVP and Jordan was in the league. Like, is Charles Barkley better than Jordan? Nope, but he still won an MVP. So I just think that at his best, he was, he was, he, his play and his performance, you know, proved, you know, proved Dude's that. Dude's so, yes. still out there throwing for 300 yards <laughs> in games with this Atlanta Falcons roster. Julio Jones is in Tennessee and Calvin Ridley just quit and he's still throwing for 300 yards. Be nice. Be nice. Again, I, again I'm, I'm just trying to play the other side. On uh, Matt Ryan uh, here as well. Take three. If Matt Stafford wins a Super Bowl with the Rams, is he a Hall of Fame candidate? Is he a Hall of Famer? I don't think he is right now. I want to address the question, though, because I think, I, Kevin, I see you shaking your head. I, I think there's a very good argument because normally, normally, hold on, normally when you evaluate a quarterback's career, You have a couple of kind of checklists you go through besides just shaking your head no, okay? You look at, did you have the postseason success? Well, he does not yet. He absolutely does not yet. However, I will say this. There have not been many players who have gotten the Detroit Lions into the playoffs. Matt Stafford did. You're talking about... Well, okay, but still, how one many times time. Modern, yeah, but how many times in history have they been? I mean, that's part of the argument with Matt Ryan. You used to say this on your show back in the day all the time that the Falcons had never had back-to-back winning seasons. Well, when Matt Ryan did it, yeah, it was one time, but that was a big deal for that organization. So I think Matt Stafford, if he gets the Super Bowl, you already have the stats, and that's why I go back to going down the checklist. Right now, he's 13th all-time in passing yards and 12th in touchdowns and I think you know barring something unforeseen not only will he move into the top 10 in those categories he will probably move into the top seven or eight in those categories if you add on top of being a top seven or eight passer in all the major stat categories if you add on a Super Bowl and if you go look right now I just checked a number of outlets have uh, Matt Stafford listed as the odds-on favorite to win the MVP right now of players that have played I think like whatever the minimum is, 60% of their games, he has the highest passer rating in the league. 
if you just count all quarterbacks, I think Russell Wilson is right above him, but Russell Wilson only played in five games. So Matt Stafford right now has the top passer rating in the league. His team is the favorite to win the Super Bowl. If he wins the MVP and wins the Super Bowl, I don't know what the argument against is because to Christian's point, he may have never been the number two or three quarterback in our minds during his career, but he would be a top 10 passer with an MVP and a Super Bowl, and he would have elevated because the number of times the Lions missed the playoffs, they were right there on the outside looking in. He would have elevated the status quo of a historically downtrodden franchise and He's the fastest quarterback ever to 10,000, 20,000, and 30,000 passing yards. I, I think he would check off the boxes if he finishes the year with those accolades. He got a shot. He got a shot. But And, and, and I want y'all to rock with me for a second. You know, what Matthew, you know who Matthew Stafford is? He's Corey Dillon. Corey Dillon was really, really good for Cincinnati, and they were bad. He was really, really good. He goes to New England, and he wins the Super Bowl. I think he's top 20, I think, in rushing. Over, well over 10,000 yards, 80-something touchdowns. But BJ, hmm, could he just be a missing piece? Because, you know, I mean, Keyshawn went to Keyshawn. You know, he went to Tampa. You know, he, he got 100 catches and a touchdown. He told Warren Sapp. But it was about the team that was already assembled. If we look back on this, if he does win the Super Bowl, are we going to say it was because of Matthew Stafford? He's going to say, who do they have? Um, Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald. Uh, Cooper Cup, o- OBJ, Robert Woods, Sony Michelle, Sean McVay, you know, and a partridge in a pear tree. I mean, I, I, I like Matthew Stafford, right? He can slang that thing, no doubt about it. But I just think that if you, if you win a Super Bowl, Envy, if you win a Super Bowl, he's already a Hall of Fame. I don't know, numbers numbers tell half the story, but if if he got a record season MVP and a, and a Super Bowl MVP, it's going to be hard to keep him out. I don't know. My gut just says no. I, I, again, I, I think he's a li- little bit, I, what do Christian call him, compilers, uh, where I think he's been around the league, uh, never played on a great team. Uh, I get it in Detroit, but part of the reason you're there, yeah, part of the reason you were there is to help elevate that team, and you had Calvin Johnson. You had some, some of those guys offensively. Hey, he just left, and Detroit is winless. Detroit uh, they, uh, they were winless when he was there. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. Was it, Dan, was he, Dan, so he Dan took part Orlowski. in no, none, none of that season? He was Dan Orlowski. <laughs> it's interesting. I, 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 I think, again, to me, Matt Stafford, again, puts up great numbers, but to me has never, in the era in which he played, has never really been in the conversation of this is like one of the top two or three best quarterbacks the league has going but right I think now. That's the point is, is that's what we're not talking about is no, what we're talking about is him winning the Super Bowl. And right now he's the favorite to win the MVP. So I agree with you right and now. That same right franchise now, went there with Jared Goff. Right. He is not the favorite or, or excuse me. He is not going to make the hall of fame right now. But if you see that favorite distinction turn into an MVP into the question, if you win a Super Bowl, you then have an MVP, you have a Super Bowl, you were in the top 10 in passing yards all time, and you're in the top 10 in passing touchdowns all time. I agree with you, Kevin, that my gut would feel like probably not, but outside of just a visceral feeling I have, what would he be missing? I mean, I guess he would have it for one year. I, 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 again, I can't think of another quarterback. I mean, that that went in that really never played on a Archie Manning maybe, uh, that never really played on a winning team. Uh, up until, uh, again, for Stafford would be one season. So, 
to me, it'd be very interesting. I mean, at least the case for Phillip Rivers is, yeah, they were never the best team, but that dude won a lot, and they were, you know, they were in the mix. Uh, Detroit, not really in the mix a lot of times with Matt Stafford. I mean, he got he got some, he, he gonna he gonna win it. the eye test. He's gonna win it. The stats battle, he's gonna win it. But the thing about it is, BJ Blake Bortles best year in the NFL. He was he was he compiling a bunch of stats. The games be over already. You got to throw 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 throw. <laughs> I am not saying Stafford, you know, and Blake Bortles, but Blake Bortles also went to an AFC Championship game. If Blake Bortles would have won a, a Super Bowl, a Super Bowl MVP. He's doing something that's never – is he better than Mark Brunel? Dude, dude, is Blake Bortles in the top 15 all-time in passing yards? <laughs> in Central Florida, probably. <laughs> uh, he is. We got it. That's take three. We do it every day this time. We'll come back. Dave Holcomb, SouthernPigskin.com. We'll join us for talking college football with him at next here on 3 and Out. Good to have you along here, three and out on this Friday. Kevin BJ and Ben, a busy weekend college football, a lot of big games uh, in the ACC this weekend, and uh, joining us here to talk about that, including a big one last night. Uh, Dave Holcomb, SouthernPigskin.com joins us. Dave, welcome. How are you? Good. How are you guys? Hey, we're doing fantastic. Pitt and North Carolina last night go to overtime. A fantastic uh, football game there. North Carolina obviously uh, upset uh, Wake Forest in a non-conference. ACC tilt last week. However, that works out. But Pitt yeah. uh, continuing to win. Uh, how does that help things uh, kind of in that ACC race? Yeah, I mean, this was a huge win for Pitt. I would even say a must win because they've got Virginia coming up next week. Uh, Virginia has a non-conference game, a traditional non-conference game, playing Notre Dame uh, this weekend. So they needed this, Pitt needed to stay a game in front of Virginia. Um, in the conference, they're 5-1, and one, Virginia 4-2. and two. And um, that sets up that no matter what Virginia does, um, that sets up uh, Pitt, Virginia being kind of like the winner take uh, the the Coastal Division next weekend. And Dave, over in the ACC Atlantic, you have Wake Forest and NC State, a a top 20 game. And Wake Forest has been interesting. They've been really good, but a lot of their games have been, you know, 45 to 40 or or 70 to 54, like it was against Army. Can they keep doing that? Can they win a high-scoring game against NC State this weekend? I think they can, um, but I also think it could go the way last weekend's game went where the offense scores a lot of points. But I think, uh, you know, NC State's offense, not as good as Wake Forest, but they're more of a, you know, slow-it-down type of team, and they like to stop the run, more, more old-school style of football. But if, if it's a Wake Forest-type game, I, I think Devin Leary is going to surprise, surprise some people. He's got 25 touchdown passes here. Uh, I, I think he might be able to uh, – I think he'll definitely keep NC State in a in a barn burner type game, and and who knows? I mean, they, I think they could pull it out like North Carolina did last week. I wouldn't count them out. Dave, the fact that Clemson is is just not themselves this year. You talk about Wake Forest, you talk about Pitt, you talk about NC State. Why are we not giving the same respect we give to those teams that we give to Clemson in every other year? <laughs> um, I, that's a good question. I, I guess. The answer is they're not undefeated. Um, you know, we could that that question would have been a lot harder to answer had Wake Forest won last week. Um, and I and I would have been more pounding the table saying, "Hey, let's give uh, you know a Wake Forest team. Let's not 
discount them just because of the brand, but unfortunately, uh, I, I, I guess we discount them because of the brand, and we, as fans or analysts, we say, well, they'll eventually lose, they'll eventually stumble, and unfortunately, teams like Pitt and Wake Forest this year kind of proved that to be true. Pitt stumbled twice, but um, even after the first stumble, uh, they, they, they lost uh, at my at home at, against Miami, and then the Wake Forest pretty much had to run the table to have any shot of the playoffs, and, and they stumble the, almost the first opportunity after the uh, playoff rankings come out. And, and, and I've, I've said this, and I guess there's no way to, to, to know now that they've lost, but Dave, I've been on record saying, look, there's certain teams that can get in the playoffs and certain ones that can't. I, I think if Wake Forest goes 13-0, yeah. and there's a 0% chance they get in the playoff. Unfortunately, it's really looking like that's true. And, and you know, I'm a, I'm a Syracuse alum, and um, I loved Behe's basketball. And I had a hard time understanding when, when Syracuse moved into the ACC, you know, why are we uh, – I know ACC basketball is great too, but, but why are we giving up our, our basketball rivals to, to move into a, a different conference? And the answer at the time I thought was, okay, football is going to this playoff system you want to be in a power five you have to be to have any chance of winning a national championship but we're finding now you know almost a decade into the playoff era that teams like syracuse wake forest uh um pit they're not taken seriously um and and other non-power five teams like cincinnati not being taken seriously really in the in the um in the playoff rankings dave not that long ago florida state miami was the best matchup, one of the best matchups every season in college football. I know Miami's yeah. had a bit of a resurgence lately. Florida State still rebuilding. I mean, it, any idea what to expect this weekend? <laughs> it's hard to tell with these two programs, but uh, I think Tyler Van Dyke is, I think Miami's found something in him, and I think he's going to continue to be um, kind of their. Uh, uh, spark plug, I guess you could say, uh, the three and zero since he took over, and and uh, I, I, I continue to do well against Florida State, and I, I look for Miami to win this one. Sam Howell was supposed to be the uh, <clears throat> he was supposed to be the face of the ACC this year, and obviously got outplayed last night by Kenny Pickett. Why isn't nobody really giving Kenny Pickett his just dues with him being the all time leading passer in Pittsburgh, in Pittsburgh history? I don't know. I mean, I really like Pickett. I think he might end up. I'm, I'm no quarterback scout, so I, I honestly, I, I probably really don't know. But I, I think he looks like his game could translate to the next level. And and he's, I mean, he's great in college. Um, you know, we've there's been lots of college quarterbacks that don't translate to the NFL, but are still revered for what they do in college. And, and Kenny Pickett should absolutely. Um, be mentioned among the top quarterbacks in the in the country this season. He's having a tremendous year, and uh, I, I, I think he's flying way under the radar for what he's accomplishing with Pitt. And I can't really answer why he's not getting more mention. I guess it's the record. I guess it's the the idea that the ACC is down this year, so maybe Pick is not facing um, the best competition. But I think that's not fair at all to what he's accomplished. Dave Holcomb, southernpigskin.com, joining us here on 3 and Out. And Dave, you mentioned Virginia Notre Dame, a non-conference uh, game this week for Virginia, but uh, they're a, a team that's really found their offense here in 2021. Any chance they go to South Bend and and pull off a shocker against number 9 Notre Dame? 
I think there's a chance, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't count them out against uh, or with, with that quarterback. Uh, Brendan Armstrong has just been unbelievable. Uh, you talk about Pickett and um, just the quarterback play overall in this uh, conference has really impressed me in the ACC this year. And Armstrong, a lot of pass attempts, so he has a lot more opportunities than some of the other quarterbacks in, in the conference. But, I mean, his uh, average uh, – Yards per game, um, you know, uh, yards per attempt, even uh, speak for themselves. And he's he's a, he's terrific, and and uh, I think he'll have to have a huge game on the road for Virginia for Virginia to win. But I he's definitely capable of that. Dave, finally, I know you have a I know you have a, a new book out that folks can find more about on your Twitter page. But uh, tell us about that and and where people can check it out. Yeah, um, I. Mentioned it last time I was on the show, The Road to Reciprocity, my first novel. Um, it's uh, about a U.S. dispatch rider in World War II that finds out his two brothers may be wounded behind enemy lines. Uh, in honor of Veterans Day, it's 99 cents. The Kindle version is on Amazon. So if you want to, if it sounds interesting to you, it's a dollar. This weekend, go check it out on Amazon, The Road of Reciprocity. There you go. And Dave Holcomb, our guest here on 3 and Out. Dave, appreciate it. Have a great weekend. Thanks much. Yeah, you too. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Dave Holcomb, our guest here on 3 and Out. The ACC, again, Pitt beating North Carolina last night. And, again, uh, we make a joke of it on the show, uh, BJ, but it really is uh, kind of, I guess, a self-fulfilling prophecy of the ACC kind of ACCing itself, and that is you don't talk about that with the Big Ten or the SEC when teams lose, uh, but when the ACC, uh, a league that's trying to get traction outside of maybe two or three teams that you really talk about or get pushed as a brand, you say, okay, for the league to get that depth, that kind of recognition of depth, this team's got to keep winning. And sure enough, when that opportunity comes, they slip up and lose, and we kind of uh, laugh about that and make a joke of it. Uh, but that's seemingly uh, been the case at Wake Forest last week. Uh, Pitt, I think, staved that off a little bit uh, last night, and I think NC State, to a degree, uh, has had that befall them this year as well. Yeah, and I think a lot of it is just the perception or, or the expectations, right? Like, Wake Forest, a lot of people, relatively speaking, were talking about them when they were undefeated. They lose to North Carolina, and it's like everybody turns the page and forgets. They have one of the best offenses in the country. I mean, ACC football, Dave mentioned Virginia, and we'll see if Brennan Armstrong is healthy. Virginia leads the nation in total offense. They're number one in the nation. And you look at some of the other, you know, Sam Hartman should be a Heisman Trophy candidate. Matt Corral, or, or not Matt Corral, excuse me, Sam Howell. You mentioned Sam Howell, Ben. Uh, it's going to be a first-round draft pick. Kenny Pickett might be a first-round draft pick. I mean, you have exciting games. Devin Leary, I think, has 25 touchdowns and two picks uh, when you think about NC State. So I think it's just preseason expectations. You kind of rank and file in your mind. All right, this team's good. This team's okay. This team's not. And you kind of use that as uh, a starting point for interpretation. Wake Forest is good. And, and, and I'm excited for this Wake Forest-NC State game. NC State's been impressive as well. There's a lot of NFL guys at the skill positions uh, in this game, two really good quarterbacks. And uh, the winner here will probably – it'll probably be Pitt and uh, the winner of this game on Saturday for the ACC championship. Kevin, BJ, we got to start doing this all this implicit bias. We go into this season saying we already know it's supposed to be Clemson everybody else. It's supposed to be DJU, Sam Howell, you know, and De'Ara King and everybody else. And here comes Kenny Pickett, you know, and different guys. So I just think that the, the ACC is ACC in itself, Kevin, but it's forcing us to look at the entire ACC, not the usual suspects we've grown accustomed to, not the North Carolinas, not the Virginia Techs, not the Miamis. Like, hey, man, who the best teams, Pitt? 
What, no, but Wake think Forest? about these quarterbacks. Think about these quarterbacks, <laughs> though. I mean, I mean, Malik Cunningham's having another fantastic year. Phil Jerkovic is 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 healthy for Boston College. I mean, you have some really good players, especially at the quarterback position in the ACC. And again, uh, the the kind of the highlight this week: NC State at Wake Forest, number sixteen at number twelve. I talked to Dave Doran, BJ. Here's what he had to say about the game. Good to have you back here, three and out. High school football playoffs starting tonight. Get out, get out, play. I can't do that right now. My, uh, but playoffs. There we go. Coach at UConn. So you know the Moors are back in the news. I mean, yes, UConn does have a football team and they have a head coach. Why did I coach think they were head. thinking about quitting football? Well, I'm, well, they, well, obviously not. Jim Moore Jr. has got hired. No, I mean, you know, I mean, I'm just saying he's 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 at UConn. So you know, get him a get him a nice coat. And uh, he get to walk around and say, hey, man, what are you doing, coach? I'm just looking at all the uh, national championships of basketball. Get out of here. Get out of here. Don't bring, the, don't bring that negativity in here. Get out of here. <laughs> but, yes, playoffs start tonight and uh, tomorrow. So, if you're a fan of a team, it's single A or 6A. They play on Saturday. Everybody else playing tonight. But, obviously, some big games out there this weekend. Benedictine will have that uh, online, ESPNCoastal.com uh, streaming and uh, audio version. And on our Savannah station uh, as well, we'll have Benedictine and Thomas County Central tonight. We gave it away by doing that. We gave them the free game. Gave it away. In my opinion, that sucked. What's that? Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. Well, now coaches are hoping they can win five games and get a state championship. But you got Brunswick undefeated. Uh, they play on Saturday, BJ. So uh, it starts now, and you hope you got five more weeks of football. I'm excited. I know. Uh, I know you and Christian uh, will have the Benedictine call, Thomas County Central tonight. You know, listening to you guys, PJ. Uh, this is a great time of year and a lot of storylines. I mean, Benedictine, one of those storylines. I think you look uh, at, at, at Pierce County, Pierce County defending state champ. They have Windsor Forest. Uh, and keep in mind, some of these games are tonight. Some of these games are tomorrow. Uh, but, yeah, Brunswick and Tucker, Glen Academy on the road at uh, Langston Hughes. I mean, you're you're talking about Ware and Banneker. I mean, games that are just really, really interesting. And I think, uh, you know, Savannah Christian at Tattnall Square Academy tomorrow. A lot of games that stand out. And it's, it's the third season. Like we've talked about, you have the non-region schedule where you can sort of, I guess, assess what you have. You have the region schedule where you determine what's going to happen in the postseason if you get there. And now it doesn't matter if you're a one, two, three, four on the road at home, tough matchup. If you think it's an easy matchup, good luck with that. I mean, everybody's good this time of year. But I think this is what it's all about. This is why you play. And I, so many teams from Southeast Georgia in the playoffs, congrats to the uh, student athletes and the coaches and just – Looking forward to tonight. Friday Night Lights, it is the best time of the year. I know, listen, all I can do is talk about what could have been. I know nothing about this part of the year when you talk about high school football, Kevin, you know, Christian and BJ. But, Kevin, I mean, we were talking about some. Is there an upset, Bruin? Because I know we was going through it. I mean, you were saying, look, it's funny. You get to, you know, when when those, quote, when those uh, West Georgia teams and them Atlanta teams get to meet these, you know, South Georgia teams, it could, it could get ugly. But is there an upset, and uh, and do you see an upset brewing when one of them 9-1-2 represent, representatives? Uh, I don't know. It's hard to say. I mean, football uh, is – you have 10 weeks to kind of look and see how it, how it played out. Uh, if I could predict all the upsets, then 
I wouldn't need to do this show. I, I would be doing something else. But I mean, high school football, you just never know. Uh, if you come out flat, there could be a team that steps up and uh, and beats you. But no, I think largely. Did you, did you just imply that you would be gambling on high school football? I know I would never do that. I think I you just never, implied never, that you would be gambling. I would never on high encourage school. that. You degenerate. <laughs> For a full list all right, of all see, the games you can see, go to ESPNCoastal.com. <laughs> Actually, the, I mean, Christian does have the uh, the full list there, ESPNCoastal.com. All the uh, Coastal Georgia teams there. If you want to know who's playing when, full list right there, ESPNCoastal.com. Go check that out. Go ahead, BJ. No, I didn't I, I, yeah, I mean, I was trying to move on from that. But, yeah, ESPNCoastal.com, all the uh, games in Southeast Georgia. But I wanted to ask, I mean, then we're sitting here with the experts. I mean, Benedictine tonight, Thomas County Central, Two power programs, two traditional powers. I know two really good quarterbacks. I mean, what's going to be the key tonight for the cadets to to move on? And I think, you know, for a team that many expect to be playing for quite some time here in the postseason. Well, I think uh, a lot of it's just fast start. When they get off to a fast start, it uh, really puts the pressure on the other team, and they've got uh, complimentary football. Uh, they have a defense that can – Shut people down, and they've got an offense that can score in bunches and score in a hurry, and uh, they've got a number of guys that can do it uh, in a number of different ways offensively. I think Thomas County Central, they're going to come in and try to run the football. Uh, we've seen teams try to do that. I've watched uh, you know BC play over the years, uh, especially under Danny Britt. Uh, about the only ones that I've seen successfully do it are the ones that are going to try to play in a phone booth between the tackles and just, you know, obliterate the line of scrimmage all night long trying to get to the edge against bc has been proven to be very tough and they got great skill players uh locking it up at corners so to think you're going to pass them crazy i, I don't think that's in the cards thomas county central going to come in and try to run the football and uh again if bc scores in bunches and makes you go away from that game plan could be a long night there for those uh, yellow jackets from thomas county central and kevin you know 1a and 6a both got to play on saturday i mean i understand and uh, for those of you i mean i Yes, I'm going. I'm going. I'm going to call them out for those you think why? They, why do one and six they got to play? They out of refs? No, they didn't run out of refs. So everybody had wanted to talk trash about the wonder <laughs> lick when it came to the NFL draft. These percent, the I think it was in the seventy, what the seventy five percentile or what? What had to show seventy five or something on this? Didn't didn't score as high yeah. as they thought they would. So the, Kevin, you want the best in the playoffs? So, yeah, and and I get that part, but Kevin, I mean, how much does it you know potentially hurt the rhythm? I mean, nobody's at a competitive advantage because everybody got. One eight six, they got to play on Saturday, but rhythm is huge when it comes to football. These guys got to play on Saturday. Do you see that, you know, kind of hurting the game a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I think if you're used to Friday night football and you got to wait till Saturday, because I think there's some te- the games are at non-traditional times on Saturday. I've heard some people playing Saturday afternoon, some people playing at six o'clock, some people are playing at seven thirty. So you kind of don't have the traditional start time. I think I agree with what uh, John Nelson said earlier. It's not so much this week; it's moving along to next week, depending on when you play on Saturday and your opponent may have. Well, I guess they're all playing on Saturday, but you have one less day to prepare for the next game Uh, because, as you know, Ben, you have a recovery day, and then you kind of get ready, but then you're playing on Friday. So I think it kind of changes your schedule for next week. The extra day to prepare, I think they might like uh, for this week. And as Christian said, maybe some of the parents uh, or our fans want to go see, like, why why, why are they playing at the same time as this game or that game? But uh, it's just for the first round, uh, from what I understand, 1A, uh, public and private, and 6A, just for the first round Saturday, and they'll all go back to Friday in round number two. But if you have an opportunity, get out and support uh, your local high school football team. A lot of work to get to this point, and everybody hopes they got five more weeks of football starting tonight. We've got more to come here, three and out, on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Sorry, Ryan McGee. Hate to do it to you. Which would you rather listen to a loop? And I, depending on who you are, would you rather listen to that 
which may be the worst song ever written? Or would you rather listen to Rocky Top? You're going to hear Rocky Top about as much as people have heard that song. Would you rather listen to that for 24 hours on a loop? You can't turn it off. Would you rather listen to that or Rocky Top? Well, I'm in the other room, so I don't know what that is. This is a Baby Shark song. You don't like Baby Shark? You don't like Baby Shark? No, I hate it. It's the worst song that's been, ever been written. Oh, it's true. I mean, name a song that's worse than that. I'm, Maybe okay. I'm, Maybe, I'm, that's I'm, pretty I'm, bad. I'm, I'm, hold on a second. Now, hold on. This is important because if we want to hear some music that you want to hear on loop, like 24 hours. I mean, it is it is a Friday night. I know Kevin in the past has had kind of a playoff anthem. I mean, theoretically, we could play kind of the playoff loop if we want to hear something on loop to get us fired up for a Friday night in the postseason. I, I would rather listen to that. For 24 hours straight, Rocky Top, then Baby Shark. No, if, I, if I had to listen to something on the loop and I'm trying and I'm trying to make sure I'm staying motivated, I'm going to hear the Kevin Thomas on Jumping Jacks, Jumping Jacks, <laughs> Jumping Jacks. I mean, I, I'm going to listen to that because just when I'm getting ready to kind of go down, like Jumping Jacks, touch your toes, touch your toes. Kevin, Kevin, Here we go. I mean, Here, we go. Here we go. Here well, we go. Here we go. Here we go. BJ, a lot of people don't know Kevin got a lot of albums. He got a workout album. He got a motivational album. I mean, Kevin, we were just listening to Kevin Thomas on the loop. Jumping jacks, touch your toes, touch Little your toes. Little did I know it was going to go down this there road. There we go. <laughs> this is the worst. That, that is the worst song ever put together. I will say that. I mean, Kevin, I mean, what are you gonna put out your album? You got plenty. You got plenty of tracks. I mean, I mean when are you gonna drop the album? Let's go. I, I I I regret the day I ever I ever did this. No, the fact that I'm never I'm never mic checking at no, a stadium no, ever again. Yeah, the fact that Christian, the fact that Christian won't tell Kevin really how many songs he has with Kevin. They be like, man, he got a bunch. I got a bunch of songs. He remixing that thing. Touch your there, toes. Man. Touch your toes. <laughs> I mean, that is a good point, Ben. I think it might be time for a remix because you have the classic. Yeah. You have the classic. It's time for the remix. Yeah, oh BJ, I mean you 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 are the one who dropped bars, right? You don't want you the you the one that uh Yeah, BJ, yeah, uh, Kevin Thomas featuring BJ Bennett. I like it. I like it. Yeah, yeah, we can work on that. I mean, you want to give us a sample right now? I mean, you be freestyling. Nope, not emotionally ready for that right now. No, not not after that. How do I follow up that? How do I, I follow thought, up that? Thought, freestyle. Like just I mean, you solicit, you solicit go, my children right and your after, children every chance you get. The I'll go right after Kevin. I'll go right after Kevin. I don't I, need to go. I, one of us already has apparently an album out. Oh, okay. Kevin said, <laughs> Kevin said, album will be, the Christmas album will be dropping on Thanksgiving. How about that? Oh, my goodness. Nobody <laughs> ever answered the actual question I posed, though. Uh, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with, I could go with Baby Shark. No, you I cannot listen to that I for 20 minutes. You will be you will be insane within one hour of listening to Baby. No, you'll be next level insane if you listen to Baby Shark on loop for. You will never make it to hour twenty-four. <laughs> you will be. I mean, you will. You will. You will gouge your own eardrums out after about ten minutes of Baby Shark. Hey, do your jumping jacks. <laughs> what? That. What? I would rather listen to that 
than Baby Shark, and you know I don't want to listen to that. My remix album. <laughs> you, can't, you can't. Hey, Baby Shark, worst song ever made, ever. You cannot question it. There isn't one that's worse. That is awful. That should be thrown away, never to be played again, and a bad example of music. We'll come back. Picture to go wrong next here on 3 and Out.